What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the show, Vintage and Stuff, coming to you live from Grail City. Today on the show, I have Wall 2 Street, a.k.a. Javi or Javi, a.k.a. Wall 2 Street, whatever <laughs> makes sense. Uh, super dope episode. We talk about investing. We talk about buying property. We talk about the vintage game, of course. Um you know, me and him have a lot of similarities, and it's a great chat for sure. So make sure you stay till the end. Thank you guys always for listening, tuning in, watching on YouTube, watching on iTunes. I appreciate it. I really do. I appreciate you guys. If you want to support the show, as always, you can hop on my Patreon. For those of you that don't know what Patreon is, it is a program where you can, for a small little bit of money, support me and get extra content. And yeah, join the club on Patreon, guys. That's it for today on my intro. One more shout out to GemApp. I want to say go download GemApp, okay, guys? I've said this on the show before, but it's a really wicked app that does cross-web searching for vintage. So you can search lots of people's different websites, eBay, all these different platforms from one search platform. GemApp in the, in the uh, App Store, go download it, get on it. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to the show, my man. All right, thank you for having me on, Drew. My pleasure, dude. So, where are you coming to us from? Uh, you Northern reside? Virginia. Northern Virginia. I'm uh, literally like 15 minutes away from DC. So, were you born and raised there? Yes, born in Arlington Hospital. That's it. Was literally uh, probably a mile away from DC. <laughs> nice. I've been through a couple times, but can't say i've spent much time there to be honest okay. um but yeah it's changed you want to give us a rundown of like you know your history and how you kind of got into the vintage game oh yeah ah uh, that's that's i mean for me honestly drew it's um it goes back to like uh i would say elementary school it started with the sneakers you know like that's how it, it created everything um and we had a friend. He was a older. He was older than all of us. Um, and then we started picking up a bunch of old. You know, it started with the uh, starters. It started with the um, you know the, the the crisscross when we had all the jerseys and everything. Yeah. And and we held on to a lot of these things. You know, our parents were not hoarders, but they they paid a lot for it. So they held on to it, and then we ended up having some stuff from back in the day, and. You know, that little stuff, by little. just to touch on that, it's crazy because you're right. That stuff, like to go buy a starter jacket back in the day, it was steep, man. Like you were like, you know, that was like a Christmas present or something. You know, it wasn't like an everyday item. See, to, see, that's how it goes back. 
so when we moved from uh, a certain place, uh, my parents bought a place out here in uh, North Virginia house. Um, it was, it wasn't really any, um, how should I say it? There weren't any Hispanics. Um, it, we were low income housing, you know? So in order to fit in, that's how we got in because we were the cool kids wearing the nice sneakers and wearing nice jerseys. And, and our, our parents, you know, that they, they, they were working two jobs a day to get that stuff. So it, it all played out in a way where we became the cool kids, you know, even with the, uh, the dino bikes, uh, the GTs and all that stuff. So we kept a lot of that stuff. So you say like, you know, there weren't a lot of Hispanics where you grew up. So is it pretty rural where you are or where you, where you grew up? Uh, no. So, you know, Arlington now <clears throat> is different from what it was before. So back then it was pretty bad in the eighties. Okay. So we, our parents took us and moved us to um, uh, Centerville, which I still, I'm still here. Um, and it, we, they took us out over there because that was bad. That was, that was it was getting bad in the eighties, you know, a bunch of drugs and everything Crime, at nighttime. Yeah. yeah. So um, when we came out here, it was nothing but farmland, and now it's 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 boom. Now it's different. You couldn't even tell the difference. Yeah. It's like a city most. Yeah. Okay. So fast forward to like the recent, uh, recent years and, you know, were you always kind of, did you stay in vintage or did you get back in at some point or when did it like spark to you as, um, or were you always kind of in it? Like give us the whole timeline. So it, you know, without even knowing that I was in it, I was collecting things even from seventh grade, like the polo hats, the polo bear hats. I was always into polo sport. Um, Again, you know, it, it was phases. We went from cross colors, starters, to polo in seventh grade. Yeah. And we were just holding on to these things. And it sparked when round two opened up in, in Richmond, which is two hours away from me. Okay. Um, but when that happened, you know, we were, I was thinking to myself, wow, you know, we have some of these things. These, these things are like, you know, uh, it takes us back to our childhood days. So um, I kept on, you know, I kept on going back to, to the storage and everything, my parents, and we saw like a bunch of stuff. And then fast forward in 2000, and I think 17, we went to complex con in LA. I mean, that's all you saw people, like the people that were there, they were just wearing vintage. And I was like, man, this is pretty cool. Like I'm, I'm definitely getting back into it, you know? So I, you know, it, it was more of the time that I was collecting things, thrifting and, and it wasn't just t-shirts. It was everything that I was collecting. Yeah. What, what year did round two open in Richmond? I, be, I believe it was 2000 in, I'm going to say 2009 or 12. One of the two. I can't recall. Okay. It's been such a long time. Yeah. So they've been around a minute. So I guess when, when you guys caught wind of that, did you find them on YouTube or was it just like word of mouth that they're, I guess they weren't even on YouTube in the early, early days. No, they weren't on YouTube. It, it, <laughs> so was, it was a bunch of kids from VCU. Uh, friends that they were out there and you know they were wearing sneakers and stuff and they just told us hey have you when they came back home they were like hey did you hear about this store and then i was like no i'll check it out and it, it was it was just like you know it's like a light switch that went out when, when we when i went to the store yeah and were you selling to them back in those early days too would go into the store and cash out no i would never sell to them that that's the thing i would go over there just to hang out and and pick up some items um, but never in a million years would I think, you know, it, it would blow up like it did. Yeah, that's wild, man. I, uh, 
you know, I respect those guys for what they did. They were early in the uh, sneaker, streetwear, vintage mix. I mean, I, I don't know. For me, like, they were the ones that did it first, really, that whole mix, which now it seems is so commonplace. Because back, you know, back – we I, we opened our store in 2007, but I was selling vintage in, like, 2002, three, four. <clears throat> and you never really would have thought that would have mixed. And we weren't even on that game because we never really came from like the sneakerhead background. Right. But right. obviously I appreciate sneakers and I understand it. And I know vintage sneakers, like I bought sneakers and everything, but um, it's just crazy to see where that's coming. Now, so many people are, you know, they just see that as like, um, like a staple in the game, that whole mix of sneaker streetwear and vintage. Right. Right. Super interesting. So right. did, you, no, no, it, did you ever get on their show when you went to the store? No, I never did. So, you know, I, I took a break going back and forth because it was a two-hour drive out there for me. Yeah. Um, but, you know, for them, I think it was the right time for everything. Um, I think uh, Graham, he came back, um, and it was just the right – everything just worked out for them. It was just a perfect storm for them, you know. Uh, Graham was looking for work, and I think that's – he didn't – he was back in VCU um, hanging out with everybody. And then I think Sean just asked him, hey, why don't you just film us? And, you know, the, the whole YouTube look. Yeah, totally. So many kids <clears throat> and people I talk to say that that's what got them in the game in the beginning was the, uh, the round two YouTube. It's mm-hmm. wild what something like that can do for the business, you know. And oh, now we're yeah. seeing it oh, yeah. in like so many other things. <clears throat> oh, um, yeah. Okay. So, you know, I've only known you f- probably through Instagram for like a year or something. Right. We chat back and forth now and again. <clears throat> I like what you do because you're into other things besides just t-shirts. You're, you're, you have a, a career, you're an investor, you own property. Right. Uh, and, um, I think it's rad and I think it's cool to talk about because I think a lot of people in this game need to hear that kind of stuff, you know, but before we get into that, I want to talk about, <clears throat> you know, there was a rumor that you were like, <clears throat> I don't know if it was you, you that said it or somebody said it, but you were selling your collection and I don't know if you said I'm going to be out or people just assumed because you were selling part of your collection, you were going to be out. You want to talk about like selling a big part of your stash? Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, these are, so the way I got onto it, I, I hit up Wiz at, at nighttime, and he, he was—I was fortunate that he picked up after his set. Um, he does on Sundays, and you know, I gave him some stuff for my kids and everything. And then, you know, he put me on. He didn't know he—he had, he had no idea what I had. Um, you know, this was at nighttime. He's already in bed with his wife and everything. And I collected these things, Drew, just like you had, and, and from you know years ago. We're talking about ten years ago. So yeah. for me, like having these Nirvana tees and everything, uh, for me, it was like, a, you know, I, it was, I was like 50 bucks that I paid for them back in the day. So for, for me to sell my things, it was, it was a no brainer from, I, I waited, I went on Wiz and then Chris got me on and then I just started doing my own lives and I didn't see that many people were like, you know, were following me and everything. So I said, you know what? I just got, I woke up one day and I said, what am I going to do with uh, 300 T's right now? You know? Yeah. I, w- I wanted to start a store just like you have. Um, and I thought about it, you know, because of the pandemic, I just decided, you know what, let's just go ahead and just do a sell off. It's the best time. 
So yeah. right when January 15th, I'll never forget it. I just woke up and I called my friend and said, can you help me out? And he, and he's, he was one of my partners that we used to um, do venues with, uh, pop-ups. And he said, yeah, sure. And just that one night, I think in 12 T's, it was like literally like 17 grand in one night. Nice. Yeah. That's a crazy. I did, I, I, and I got people's attention like doing that. Yeah. So. <clears throat> do you remember can you can you, you remember a couple of teas you sold that night oh yeah i sold the whole nirvana collection um yeah the the all all the all the nirvanas i sold them for like 400 i think the 500 was the max i probably and then i sold one on the side for a thousand uh the stoop dog big face um distant wonder bought a britney spears i believe um from from back in the day yeah. but it was it was like 12 t's i believe all the nirvanas were so there was like five nirvana t's um and then i sold the american gangster uh that it were they were limited it was it's like a bootleg um i think i sold it for 650 and I, I had that shirt and i picked it up for like 10 bucks one time at thrift so i was happy with that <laughs> so all this stuff you're you but you were collecting over the years obviously you bought some stuff at some vintage stores and everything but most of your fines were thrift fines? Thrift fines, eBay fines from 2006. Um, eBay fines from 2006 and a Depop, you know, just little things I hear in there. But but that's the thing. Like, it, it was before the whole thing that blew up. Uh, even Grailed back then, you know, Grailed, you could have picked stuff up and you could have taken a round two and you, you would have made a come up. It's almost like the virtual fleet, you know? Yeah. So Grailed is is used to be really good. I mean, I think a lot of prices are way overblown on Grailed now. But back yeah. then, like it was a different person selling on there. eBay, everybody just loves to look at the comps, right? Everyone's looking at comps all day. So it's like most people put things up unless you get a sleeper at like close to market value. But with Grail, right. people just kind of like wing it. They just throw shit up. So sometimes you can yep. like score, dude. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 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 I, I scored the last thing that I scored was probably one of my favorite teas. I paid $150 for the, uh, stone coal with the skull in the front and, uh, the x-ray skull and, and him on the back. So that was probably, it was like 150 bucks. Everybody slept on it. I think I just sold on the virtual for a thousand dollars. Fuck that whole boom in the wrestling is crazy to me. Cause I swear, man, I was, you know, probably even like, 18 months ago to two years ago, I would just put those in my store. A lot of them would sell for probably like 40 bucks, man. You know, mm -hmm. it wasn't even a thing. Like, sure, some of them were cool. And then wrestling kind of got a bit of steam like a year ago. But it blows my mind that these shirts are selling for that much money right now. And right. I personally, I'm not a wrestler. Are you a wrestling guy? Like, you watch WWE? Oh, yeah. Well, for, no, no, from back in the day. Not not newer. Not not, not yeah. the new ones. But back in the day, yes. That was that was a ritual thing on Saturdays. You'd wake up and watch that. And uh, I don't even know, like, even now, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll be the first to admit, like, as far as the prices on shit right now, <clears throat> I don't really, you know, I have a pretty good idea, but there's a lot of things I have no idea. Like, I don't know a lot of the differences between a lot of these WWFTs to me because I never followed it. I don't, I'm not in the head of these guys. Right. So it still blows my mind. Some of the prices that are getting <clears throat> paid right now for this stuff. Right. Well, you know what? I I'm going to say first, I think it was, it was slept on. A lot of these teas were slept on and it's because of um, just the history. Like if you go back, 
if you're into wrestling, you, you know, with, with the big guys, I mean, these are like the, the vets, like Hulk Hogan, of course. But then, you know, when he had, he went to NWO, it was just a whole, it was a whole like uh, soap opera thing that they were had going on. And now you look back at it, you don't see that anymore. So it's changed, you know, like everything in life, everything changes. Now, I don't think, I don't think WWF, I mean, they changed the WWF to WWE copyright infringements, but yeah. uh, it's not, the, it's not the same anymore. It, you know, you're never going to, you're never going to see that. It's almost like comparing Arnold Schwarzenegger to the rock now. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I guess that for me not being in it, you know, you're right. It, it, it was the soap opera. Like every time there'd be like a continuation of what was happening in the dramas between different wrestlers and the beefs and yeah. Do you think it's more that the history of it, or do you think it's more that it just looks a lot of them look like that, you know, they have that look that everybody wants, which is like a big print faded black double sided. Yeah. I think that's it too. That's part of it. I mean, you know, it, 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 it just, yeah, just because of who they were and represented, maybe that was the guy you always watched and you, you were, you were cheering for. Uh, but yeah, I think it has to do a lot with the, the prints on it as well, you know, cause there's yeah. a bunch of stone colds and a lot of gold birds, but you know, the stone colds obviously are, are just, just because of who he is. He's, he's one of the elite guys from the 2000 era. Yeah. I had the Goldberg. There's one that like is a bootleg looks exactly like a rap tee, the Goldberg. Mm-hmm. Um, I had that like, geez, last spring, probably about a year ago. I think I might have sold it for like two fifty, maybe. I bet you that one hits hard now. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, see, that's that's the thing. There's a, there's going to be a few later on that I think will still hold its value, no matter what. You know, like there are a few tees that I do believe, like like Shawn Michaels has a bunch of them that that were like all over print. Um, yeah. The Ultimate Warrior, uh, those will always hold its value, I believe. The all over prints. Yeah, I've had those for sure. And those ones, those ones even had value before the boom of mm-hmm. wrestling, I think, but probably nothing like they do now. Right. So you're also into Nike. I know you buy a lot of Nike, bought Nike for me, and I know you like mm-hmm. your polo. So how do you see like the evolution of that stuff? And you know, do you do you have collections of that stuff still? Oh yeah. I have all, all a lot of polo that I never I never sold any of my polo that that i cherish forever you know nike i i have few um and they're they're rare pieces that's that's what i'm going for now just rare pieces that it's the third polo um if it's rare i'll take it if it's nike i'll, I'll take it as well if it's rare even posters and everything i i collect all that stuff because one yeah. day i will open up a shop and i'll have all that stuff on one side and it'll be just all nike stuff there yeah it's like um, you can liken it to investing in a way like stock, the stock market and different trends. T-shirts went like this, right? Right. Polo's kind of just doing this the whole time, right? Polo is like the safe ETF investment per se because it never had that boom where, right. you know, what's that uh, saying? Once everyone's talking about it, it's too late. You're out. Like, get out, you know? Right. right. Um and I well, Polo had Polo had his boom when Kanye started wearing it, and and Polo always had his boom. But I still believe in New York. If you if you're wearing if you're a low head, that's what they're called. I mean, th- these people 
they're diehard fans. You know, I, I don't even think anyone has started a page like that. I mean, there are several people, but no, no, vir- you know, no one, I would say like a channel, I, I'm calling everybody a channel on, on a virtual fleet. No one's actually just started that and just showed all their heat and everything. And, you know, people get hip to that. And that's what I'm saying. Like you just said it. They're going to be late to that boom. Yeah. And you're right. Like the community is, is it had the boom kind of pre, it was on this crazy rise and then the retros came out and then it kind of leveled out and some things dropped because the retros fucked it up and you know, yeah, whatever happened. But I still think like they hold value to a degree and the community is so tight. Like Jesse can speak on this way more than me, but you know, people who are into polo, um, are diehard into polo and it could be like a hard shell to crack kind of to get in that community because they don't really like outsiders no. coming in. No, you're right. Are you kind of, are you like tapped you're in right, a bit absolutely. to those, to those crew and like the New York guys? Like do you, are you friends with some of them? Yeah, I'm friends with some of them. I'm friends with some of them. He was actually on the, uh, horsepower on the, uh, they had, they had their own thing. Um, that I think complex or someone put it on, but it's on YouTube. Yeah, um, I've seen that doc, that little doc. Yeah, yeah. So I'm few, I'm connected to a few of those, and again, I'm also connected to a lot of the streetwear guys out in New York, uh, like the Supreme Heads, the ones that actually they don't even have to wait in line; they just get the stuff. So you know, like Dre uh, Soul Street, um, yeah. he's one of the he's one of the big guys out there. So, do you so do you buy streetwear, new streetwear? No, I I do not. I stopped. I I completely stopped after, I think two years ago i think i stopped even with the sneakers i think i calmed it down as well i'm investing more into other things other than sneakers now okay so let's get on to that talk so give us can you talk to us about your like you have a uh construction company am i right yes yes i own a a concrete company okay Um, so give us the rundown on that how long you been doing that uh since 2002 I'm, you, I'm sorry, 2000, 2001, because I purchased my first property in 2002 from that money that I made. Nice. Yeah. So, concrete company, you go out, you got, correct me if I'm wrong, but a concrete company, like, do you have like a, you have like a lot or do you go pick up concrete and then pour it? No. So, <clears throat> what we do is uh, we have, um, we have a cruise that I, 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 what's it called? It's like a subcontractor, the, the, the concrete trucks, the mixers, they come out, you know. They're a vendor pretty much. Okay, so, okay. Yeah, yeah. They come out. I don't own a, a physical concrete plant. I, yeah. I We pretty much poured foundations, uh, sidewalks, curbs, and gutters and all that. But we do every single Starbucks out in Northern Virginia, uh, Chick-fil-A's, Chipotle's, and uh, Mission Barbecues and Orange Theories. Nice. Yeah. Huge chains. Yes. Yes. It, it took a while to get these guys, man. But you know, that's the thing. You're being persistent and it's all about timing. So how do you go about getting a contract like that with, so, with such a big company? Um, okay. Well, I mean, I, I started from the ground up. I started with pick and shovel, you know, yeah. uh, and it was just simple. Like just putting yourself out there, just like everything, just like now, like we're, we're, we're on, on, on the lives, putting yourself out there. And all you need is just one person to get a wind of you. And all of a sudden, you know, I didn't even promote myself. I pretty much got, got a contract from Starbucks and then they told Chick-fil-A and then they told Chipotle about me. And it was just word of mouth. It was, it was just easy for us 
to get uh, those accounts because of the work ethic that we do and, and the good quality work that we give. Nice, man. So, so you say you purchased your first home in 2002, which is, we're like, you thought you've almost, that's almost 20 years. Good for you, man. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so let's, yeah. So, you know, what was that like and what's your portfolio like now and what's your plays and, um, let's get into this. All right. So my first property I bought was in 2002. And I, I, I never actually lived in it. It was meant to be a rental property because it was sitting on an acre. Um, and I bought it for like 200,000. So I, I, you know, I, it's funny because it was, it was a, it was a, just a beaten down house, but I loved it because I saw the potential in it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I rented that one out in 2003. I bought my second property. Um, and that one, I took a hit in, Drew, because, no, 2006, I believe, I bought this, my second property. And that, that's when the housing boom was at. But, but before that, how I got that money was actually getting, um, you know, doing my work for the concrete company and everything, and the construction company. And then I bought stocks. And then that, I used that stock money uh, to invest into this property. And what, now, stocks were you, what stocks were you playing back then? Oh, Apple, Amazon, uh, just blue chip stocks and Chipotle. That was my, that was my biggest one, Chipotle. I only invested $3,000 and I cashed out like 78,000. Nice, man. Yeah. Yeah. And how long of a period? From 2006 to 2018. Okay. Okay. So it's a good long play. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, that's the thing that I, I try to put people in on game on that. So reality is, if these t-shirts are really supposed to go up, right? I did the same thing. I had these and held them since 2006, even even earlier, 97. And I held on to them. Look what year I, I sold them at 2021 and, and 2021 and, and look, it, it paid off. So it's similar. So I tell people, you're in this game of the vintage, right? Like you got long terms, but if you're thinking short terms, just to flip, make 300 bucks, that's cool. But if you're in the long terms, you would hold, you'd be smart and hold the shirts. Don't even sell them. Yeah. If you're playing the long game. I don't really play that game, but I, I also think there's, there's validity in it. Um, and I also think, you know, you gotta, you gotta play long term with your, your business model as well. You know, I kind of tell people that because it's like the lives right now, they're not, they're great and you're making a lot of money, but like, you know, I, Chris, he's on live every, every evening, all weekend long. He can't do that when his kids get a bit older. Like you're going to tell your kids, like I got to be on live all day, Saturday, Sunday. You know what I mean? He's got two kids at home. How's that going to play out for his like uh, quality of life? And I don't know his plans, but I'm just using that as an example. But if you don't plan to like have some kind of other income coming in, you're stuck in it and you're just, you know, failure to plan. You plan to fail. So, so Drew going, we're going back and forth. So by me selling off all those shirts yeah. gave me leverage of, of certain, I can't say the amount just because, you know, uh, yeah, I, I don't want to put myself out there, but 
It gave me enough money to put into stocks. It gave me enough money to put into cryptocurrency. And now I tripled my money. I think quadrupled almost my money doing that. So, you know, that's what you're saying. And I still have 100 T's left to sell. They're sitting in my vault. And I, I don't want to show anyone because that just kills, kills the fun. I know a few people hit me up for their shirts back. Uh, uh, vintage heat wave. He asked people back to him, uh, the uh, big pun, but I, I don't know. So do people right you now. bought I'm from, play, are, I'm gonna play the waiting game. They hit you up and they're like, I want to buy that shirt back. Oh, yeah, yeah. Even the last rap tea, I, I sold all my rap tea. The last rap tea I bought was DMX. Unfortunately, we know what happened. Um, but I, it was a known tech, this was like prior, like three weeks. Uh, prior to him going to the hospital. So I bought the shirt for uh, $650, you know, and he was like, can you help me out? And I was like, yeah, sure. Why not? You know, I I'll, I'll purchase it. I didn't even want it, but you know, just to help out, no problem. And it was a dope shirt, but you can imagine now what it's probably worth and what's going for now. But you know, I, I'm not trying to think of it that way. Um, it's more of a long-term thing. Like, again, you know, holding on to these things. Yeah. I want to go back quickly to the housing market crash in 2008. A lot of people who are watching this are so young. They probably, they might not even know that shit happened, but it's a very real thing. That was like the last huge crash before the Corona crash, which was not even that big of a crash really at the, yet, yet we don't know what's going to happen. Right. Um, so you said you had a property you bought in 2006 and then the housing <laughs> market died in 2008 how badly were you affected and like how'd that all play out? Did you have to sell or what? I was underwater. Drew, I bought the house for 650,000. I was underwater. It was worth 420,000. So I, I ended up selling it in 2013 and I sold it for 430. So I took a hit all that money was lost and all that time that I had in it, you know, it, you know, I had fun in it and everything, but that's a lot of money that we're talking about that I lost. Yeah. Um, but it all, it all, it, it, it all works out, you know, like that's, that's the thing, like with anything, with anything in life, it's just material. As long as I got my health, we can get it back. <laughs> yeah. You know? And that's and, important. And, that's important. Like, look at you now. It's like some people get defeated on sh losses like that. But then the strong people know that it's it's just a blip on the map, and you keep going, man. You keep going. You know you yep, don't you keep keep going because you, you you never stop. Whatever you do, you don't lose faith in yourself. You just going and believing, and everything's going to work itself out, and everything happens for a reason. And and it and it did. It really did because um, I purchased this house that I'm in right now. Uh, my best friend, I was going through a situation, um, separation, everything. And he sold me his, his parents' house for, for a steal as a family member. He sold it to me for like 320000 And the house is now worth 650000 So with all nice. the renovations I put into it, yeah. So. Um, also, back to the long-term play, like what would that property that you sold in 2013 be worth today if you, if, if you just held? 500 I, I always look it up on zillow <laughs> uh it's worth 580 right now okay so you're just kind of back to where you started maybe a little bit of money but right right so i probably made the right play anyway yeah yeah for sure
<clears throat> All right. So where where like fast forward to like your portfolio now and where do you what are you playing now? How many properties you got? What's the game plan? So there's uh three properties. There's the game plan is cryptocurrency and the next play is the NFTs. That's that's my play right now. And and the other thing is I'm gonna I'm, we're holding on to a certain amount uh, of funds, so we're waiting for the crash to happen so we can go back into real estate. I I want to get into uh, buying uh, units, um, condos. It's commercial property, I would say. Uh, Multifamily. Correct. Correct. Uh, okay. All good. All good plays and all good things to chat about. So we'll start with the first one, crypto. How do you view it? now and how do you view it playing out in the future you you said i even saw somebody posting about this you had advised somebody to buy dogecoin and they made 10 times money right yes that's fucking rad (laughs) yes (laughs) um obviously you would have bought it yourself if you're advising people to buy it of of course 1000 percent. yes and how do you see okay so obviously I'm just going to give you my take on it and then you can go off. But so I listen to so many podcasts, I read books. I'm like, you know, I learn as much as I can. That's why we put this podcast out so everyone else can learn too. You know, Bitcoin is the the granddaddy, uh, which is super weird because I actually started to look it up and Bitcoin, there's like, there's a pseudonym for the person who actually created or group of people that created it. It's some like, name they made up but we, we don't actually know who created it which is super weird when i started to kind of go down that fucking tunnel because i'm like and then there's like these conspiracy theory posts about was it the cia was it this person that created it? nobody really knows who created bitcoin if you have any info on it hit, hit me no, up yeah no no like i, I don't even know you know so all these theories that china made it up so they could take over you know the dollar over again you know they own us pretty much because we owe them money so yeah, there's so so many theories but at the end of the day it's only real when you cash out <laughs> yeah totally and then you have uh ethereum that is actually a company they have an office they have like you know a business plan they have functional um, applications for the crypto they are basically backing all the nft play which we're going to chat about here mm-hmm. so you know very different beasts even though a lot of people just look at them kind of like similar products and then you have sure. dogecoin which uh is just some fucking you know i don't want to say pump and dump but it's not i don't know i don't know how i view it but it, it's definitely like a phenomena within right i i you know i, I was reading about it the own the creator doesn't even own any of any any oh, of his shit. own coins yeah so you know but the the whole thing is like, look, you have people that are backing it up. You have Elon Musk, you have uh, Mark Cuban, and now you have. I think I just read. Um, I think I just read that. Who is it? Uh, a baseball team is now going to be collecting them as well. On the, uh, at, you know, accepting it for to buy anything at merch, uh, anything from their stands, food stands, everything. So. Crazy. It's, no, it's not the Mavericks. It's it's the Oakland. Uh, yeah, Mavericks are accepting. Mark Cuban said that, but I think it's the other one. It's it's it, it's a baseball team. So, 
how like what's your take on the different cryptos? Are you playing just the main guys? Are you playing like the the all the altcoins or just the main guys? What's your plays? There are a few there are a few that we have. Um yeah, it's Oakland Athletics, that's what it is. Um, okay. <clears throat> um there are a few that that I play, but again, you know, it's all for me, it's it's all it's all a risk at the end of the day. I have a few like Safe Moon, um, a Fox. And there's other a few other other ones that we like. I say we because I have I, you know I have people also that help me out on this. It's not just a one man show. Um, you can't do everything on your own. So I, and so when you're saying this, are you in like an investment group or you have an advisor or like a portfolio manager? Oh, no, no, just an advisor. Okay, just an advisor. Yeah. Now, if I had a group, trust me, I would have I would have taken some commission off of Drew's uh, <laughs> big investment. <laughs> yeah, shout out Drew, Daddy. So, okay, so yeah, you know, I look, you know, I'm Dogecoin. Obviously, I went in and I'm super pumped. I've made a ton of money. Jeez, it's got to be ten times money at this point, and. Right. But I'm a, you know, I'm obviously skeptical that that's a, that that play is a higher risk than say Ethereum. I I look at Ethereum as a much safer play, in the fact that there's there's practical applications. Plus, with this the new wave of NFTs, there's just got to be more money flowing through that system, right? Right. So right. You, you mentioned that NFTs, you're going to be in it. You know, I obviously understand the game and I see what's going on. Uh, the UFC is about to drop like an NFT collectible program. Did you hear that? No, I haven't heard. I'm sure I'll, I'm about to go look it up afterwards. Yeah, but and yeah. Uh, the I mean, I would, I, I would, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, Dana White's always into something. You know that I mean, he he's always into anything that that can. Well, I mean. Anything that's sports related, you know, you're gonna make it work somehow in an NFT. Like it's gonna be the new wave. I agree, man. I just saw last night um, Jeff Staple did a pigeon NFT, which was like a um, like a mechanical pigeon kind of turning on this thing. It's basically just an art piece, and uh, you know, obviously we have the NBA is is involved. Then we're gonna have NFL. Um, NB, um, MLB, NHL, yeah. I'm sure are going to get involved. It's just a matter of time. So when you say like, yeah, you're you're getting in, like, I haven't really figured out how I'm getting in. Like, I thought maybe to invest in the UFC parent company stock, if they launch this NFT thing, that's going to be a, a hitter. Right. How do you view it? Well, I'm I'm using it like what it is it's just art right so i've never touched base on you about the stuff that i've collected in the past just because art for me it's always going to sell no matter what and the way people are talking about t-shirts these are art pieces these are art pieces again that's why i'm starting to collect rare pieces so for me is i can only imagine now going into an art exhibition not even seeing the prints and i think there is one already that i posted up on my on my story and I just see walls full of TVs and just a bunch of NFTs. So for me, what I'm trying to create now is I want to create an NFT 
of, of a certain tea that I have and, you know, I mess around with it, have a few, few designers uh, work on it and everything. And then we could sell the shirt with it. So it's almost like, like you're taking a print, but you're actually making your own. And, yeah. and then, but you're giving away the shirt as well. So, and, and I see that being done on art basil maybe next year, if it opens up, I, I could see that being done. And then, then you, you know, yeah. the NFT of that t-shirt can be sold, resold, traded. It's out there in the ether of the, of the internet and it can kind of have its, its own, own life. life. Correct. It's very interesting. And then you get residuals from it. Yeah. You get the residuals, which is the (laughs) kicker, man. So like literally, you know, I know people who are doing this. I have artist friends who are doing really, really, really well. And the more they drop, the more residuals they get. And if, if you drop enough of these things, the residuals could just flow for the rest of your life and the rest of your kids' lives. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. That, and that's, and that's the goal, right? Like, to actually create something where it's just going to pay dividends. Yeah. And, and it's the beauty of, that's the beauty of, of NFTs, I believe. Um, because it's almost like you're almost like getting paid. Like, like, like you, you own a copyright of a music. You're getting all the royalties from everything when it spins and you know, when everybody sees it and that's the thing, you make a limited, a certain run, you can only make like 300 of them. And I would guarantee you, you, you'll, you'll make your money three times as much faster than you will in a t-shirt in 10 years. Yeah. Something interesting that uh, I was talking about to a colleague maybe even yesterday was that, you know, Roblox, right? Roblox is a huge video game and NFTs have been a thing on that video game for years already, but it's just, we don't really talk about it in the same way because it's just on the game. Like people are, creating art pieces, creating outfits for the players, creating worlds, creating a sword, and then people are buying and trading them. And then there's also, it's basically the same as what's happening. The people are getting residual kickbacks from other people selling off their original Roblox art. So this thing has been around and kind of been developed by video games in the beginning. And now it's spawned into art. It's spawned into the, the sports world. It's going to be in the UFC. Like it is out there. So if if you, if you guys don't know what's going on in the NFT world, I suggest you start doing some reading because it kind of blows your. It blew my mind the first week I learned. I was like, "What? Oh yeah!" And it's crazy because it's only honestly. I think whatever blockchain you're using, I think it's like eighty dollars just to post it. And it, I mean, we're talking about eighty dollar investments and in, in doing your homework. That's all we're talking about. And, and you find a way to create something and just put it out there. That's pretty much what it's going to come down to. And I see the future being that in art. I don't see a lot of artists actually like cause he might be the next one. You imagine if he just drops an NFT out of nowhere and he says it's limited. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that everybody's going to want to have that on on their screen wall when they come in the house. (laughs) Yeah. And I, I look back at this period. This is like, this is the beginning. This is like going back to like early nineties and being like, I'm on the internet. People be like, what are you talking about? You know? So eventually 20 years from now, we're going to look back on now 
And if you have NFTs from this period, I believe it'll be like retro vintage NFTs, like the first round, the first iteration. And it's, it's, it's going to be super collectible, super sought after, just like everything is in the nostalgic realm. Because if you grew up with NFTs, you're going to look back at this period and go like, shit, those were the first. That was so cool what so-and-so did. And they're, they're obviously, as time goes on, there's going to be more NFTs created all the time. Like it's, it's happening right, right now. So in 20 years, it's going to be insane. Right. So if you think there's a lot now, it's actually probably fuck all compared to what will be available. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. My kids are going to be looking at this uh, later on, probably be like, wow, actually, I'm glad you actually did that. Like, that's my dad. You know, I could be like seven years old and he could just tell my, his friends, or his wife and kids that, that was your grandfather, you know? <laughs> yeah, totally. Oh man. Now my head's like spinning into the future. I'm, look, I'm visualizing like walls of like digital walls where you can just like have different art pieces on them. And like, ah, oh, it's crazy. Yeah, man. It, it, it just reminds me of, remember back then, I think a, uh, they had a portrait where you could put in your pictures and it would change all the time. It's exactly like that, but they just spun it. And now we're, we're talking about art, art pieces instead of having your, your own uh, family <laughs> portraits and stuff. Yeah. No, I know those things for sure. That's hilarious. <laughs> makes total sense. So yeah. back to uh, crypto again for a sec. So <clears throat> do you look at Doge as a pump and dump or do you look at this as something that's going to – because like a lot of people look at – crypto in general as like stores of wealth just like people view gold right gold traditionally for like the older generation was always a store of wealth it fluctuated but it over time it typically went up you put you put like people recommend 10 percent of money into gold and just right. stash it away do you view doge in that realm or is doge like its own phenomenon how do you see it playing what i see it playing I, I, I see it as it's going to be it's going to be up there with, with the rest of them, uh, with all like the big top dogs. And I don't think it's gonna go away. I really do see like a big hedge fund picking it up because it's un, it's it's unlimited, remember that. You know, they didn't make like only like what is it, twenty million, twenty one million of, of, of Bitcoin. I think they made a certain amount of these things and they're just keep, they, they have, it's unlimited. So there is no cap to it. So I do feel like this is going to be taken to the next stage because no one's going to start using, you know, no one's going to use there. No one's going to be using money anymore. We're just going to start using these, these cryptos and everything. So I do see it being played out as being the future and it will be held into if sports, if, if arenas are taking it right now, I do believe that it's going to be the next the next thing. I don't see it going away. It's going so to be are, here. They're taking do, they're, arenas. They're taking Dogecoin or yes, Mar Mark Cuban, Mark Cuban, and in wow. the Oakland. Yep, yeah, yep. They're taking. So it. your play is hodl, hodl your friggin' Dogecoin. Again, we're not advisors here. Make your own decisions. Do some research, but. Um, Okay. Yeah. And like, honestly, this is for my info. Like I don't really, you know, a lot of people, cause they listen to this podcast think like I'm some guru on this shit. I like, <laughs> I'm just learning like everybody else. I've, I've lost a lot of money in certain things. I've made, made money here and there. And, um, 
it's interesting to me because it's new and exciting and like I wish I would have learned earlier and I say that a lot that's why I'm kind of putting it out there for the younger kids because the longer you play the more you're going to learn the more money you're going to make over time correct correct and 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 that's the thing even 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 with the sure same play you know you look at it um the longer you hold those grails except the rap tees i'm not going to say rap tees because uh, we all know what rap tees do in, in their time but other than that like there are other tees that will will be out there and i do believe i do believe that they will be worth a certain x amount of money just like sneakers right but it's got to be the right ones and it's got to be how rare they are i, I remember picking Uh, the Andy Warhol tee, and those are I think them heavy hitters later on because I think they only made like a hundred of them, and they were they were deceased. Yeah, so. yeah, our tees are having a huge period right now. Um, yeah. yeah, me and Thrift, I I'm about to drop a Thrift Lord episode. It hasn't come out. Well, it'll come out by the time this is out. And uh, he talks about the art tee versus like tease tease compared to art a little bit and his take was like right art you know tees are like the the lith, it's called a lithograph like a print of an art because there's more than one of the tea mm-hmm. he's kind of into into art he has yeah. some pieces i think and i don't know if, i don't know how many originals he has but um you know he sees it like there's it, there's going to be a lot of value going forward but you know, when you look at like an original painting, there's only one, right? Versus right. like a print. Prints will have value like 500, 800, 1,000, depending on who was the artist and how many, how many, how much limitations they put on it. But um, it is, it is different. Unless you have a T, I guess, that's like the most fucking rare that nobody has, then you, you could say that's like the, the one art piece. But, um, it's an interesting comparison. I think a lot of people have different views on it. Yeah. About sneakers for a sec. So the... Yeah, I mean... If, go ahead. No, no, no. no. That, that's what I'm saying. I have a few that are very rare, and I know the history of them. They're, they're only like certain made. And those are the pieces that I want to hold. hold uh, honestly, like everything else can go. Like I've seen, no offense to anybody, but I've seen the Nirvana tees. They come and go. You know, you could probably pick them up. Maybe they make so, they made so many of these tees. So it, to me, it's not rare. Even the bootleg ones, or the wrap tees, and everything. Yeah, they're not rare to me. I, I we, we've seen them all. I mean, so it's not like like I think that those are like the like the best tees that everybody's looking after. Um, the way I see those bootlegs being played out, if you're smart enough and you remember, if you're if you're hip and you understand, you know, you listen to everything. Thing. Supreme logo. I remember someone selling it for like two million dollars or twenty million dollars. They co- they collected all of them from back in the day, and they put them in a gallery and it sold. So if someone has like say like a hundred wrap tees and they're all in great condition, they can be you know they don't have to be dry rot or anything. But it doesn't even matter. If you put it into some of that money. Yeah, that's my take on that. That's my take on that. Yeah, fair fair enough, man. If, I, if I, you I, think I, it's an art piece. I appreciate that. And you were talking about how like stash your tees because there's, they're good. There's, there's, it's going to increase in value, which is 
which is totally a fair play. And now to speak on that for a sec, it's like people who are in this game, if you're, if you're actually in the game, not just as a hobby, you got to like still make enough money, pay your rent, keep buying more product and paying for your life. So I guess that's why I always hit up. The, I always talk about the mids too. Cause I'm like, mids pay the bills man like if you can sustain your life on selling the mids and you can afford to keep the grails i call them hammers <laughs> if you can afford to keep the hammers <laughs> then like you're you're doing good like that's what karen kind of does he wholesales a lot of product and then he keeps like the top five percent and you know he sells some here and there but it's like he keeps stashing that top five percent and i think that's a you know, it's a totally valid play, man. And if, if you can sustain it in that way, fucking power to you. And the other thing about doing that is if more people do that, that act alone drives the market because the more that people stash, it takes it off the active market. As you take product off the active market, it increases the rarity of an item, which drives the value up. simple economics. Right. So, right. But so here, here's here's how I value the tees in, in my thing. I, I I love them. I wear them. Um, but at the end of the day, it's, again, Drew, it's just material. Okay, we all know this. If that tee can elevate me to the next level, just like anything, you know, we had a property, we sold it. You can't be attached to anything in life. You cannot be attached. We're all gonna die at some point, you know. So for me, it's 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 you take it while the market's hot. Or you, you, you hold on, like you said, for, for the next 10, 20 years. But if that team right now can make me X, Y, Z amount of money and I can reinvest it into actually assets, no T can compare it to real estate. That's just a fact. I, I don't care if you have a million T's, you know, that you're never, you know, you can't compare it to, to, to anything in real estate. That's, that's number one in the United States, around the world, everywhere. Totally. You know, so I, I, dude, I fully I'm agree. Not, I'm not... <clears throat> I'm not telling anybody to sell their tees off. You know, I think that's why people misjudged me. I was just telling them, look, you guys are taking this like a game, you know, but you have to understand that this is a business. You know, there is money coming in. So you need to invest that money because if not, you're going to get taxed on. Yeah. That's another thing I wanted to touch on before. You You said on crypto, it's not real until you cash out, right? Correct. That's true. Because this is just a number. That number's going like this all day long, right? Right. Until you lock that shit in, it's not real. But the other thing is when you do lock that number in, you create a taxable event, okay. which also is like if you – if so that, that this is a weird thing I've been thinking about a bit lately. You know, somebody puts 10 grand in Dogecoin. Now they're like 110, right? You cash that 110 – you could pay like 40,000 to the, to the man or 30,000 to the man. So, but if you leave that shit in and it goes to a million, you still, you don't pay the tax until you lock it in. So you have to kind of, and this is something to day traders, every day traders are fucking in and out, in and out, in and out, in and out. Right. I don't play that game. I've tried a bit and I, I'll forget about it for two days and then I get fucked. Right. Mm -hmm. But those guys are paying the highest tax bracket because they're cashing, 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 cashing. So, like, yeah, sure, a, a guy could. This is like such a deeper talk of tax things. Yeah, that's yeah, why yeah. Pro- property is so good because you can 
devalue your home, you get tax benefits, you can sell a home and then reinvest into another home and you don't have to pay capital gains because you get like, the government has pr- programs for that. It's two years. If you can hold a property for two years, you don't pay capital gains. And the amount, the total amount that you can make is 500000 And if it, your name is just, you have to have two people. So you have to split it with 250, 250 and it's, it's fair game. It's all yours. But if you make <laughs> more than 500000 and 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 you, you know, you flip, you're trying to flip houses. That's why, I, you know, again, you, it's, it's hard for me to, to go deeper into it. But yeah, if flipping houses is tough nowadays. But back then, people were just killing it, man. They didn't care about paying 40% tax. You know, they didn't care about the taxes. They would pay the 40% yeah. all day because they're making money and they're putting into the next one. But yeah, if, 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 uh, if you hold on to a house for two years, you're, you're free up to 500000 to make tax-free. Yeah. In Canada, we have a rule. If you sell your primary residence, you'd pay zero capital gain. So, uh, because I guess they want you to be able to like go buy another house or whatever it is. But if, mm-hmm. if, it's, a, if it's a rental property, you pay capital gains. We have a one-time $850,000 capital gains exemption. So you get to do that once in your life. Um, and yeah, th- I mean, this is, again, this is a huge deep talk, but if you, once you get into investing and you get into start cashing out those stocks, you're making money cashing that crypto, it is taxable. You got to get yourself a good advisor, a good tax advisor, accountant who can advise you how to save your money. This is, you know, remember, remember when everyone was like giving Trump all that shit about he pays no tax. There was like this huge news story. Trump pays no tax and they were bashing him. This yeah. is not a pro Trump thing. All I'm saying is that that guy has the best accountants in the game and he just plays the system and pays no tax because he knows how to put his money in different assets. So it was kind of a bullshit news thing. Sure. He should be paying tax, whatever people's opinions are, but in the end of the day, he didn't break a law. He just played the tax game better than most people. Yeah. 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 I look, I don't, I don't, I don't get into uh, any, any politics or anything, but anyone that can, uh, can work the system because this is all a system. It's all a game, you know? Yeah. Like, and, and again, you know, if you really want to talk about it, a lot of these younger kids that are selling on Instagram, friends and family, that shit ain't going to fly. That shit is not going to fly. So you might as well understand that you're about to get taxed because you definitely didn't do it the right way. You're about to get a 1099 K from PayPal, Venmo, all that stuff. It's all paper trail, you know? Yeah. <laughs> they're hitting you with the 1099 hard bang um something yep. you said on a post once which i really liked it was like something about if you spend a hundred or like think about your spend because if you spend a hundred now uh that hundred could be 500 or 200 or 300 later so you're really spending the potential of that money can you explain that theory because it's, it's kind of complex Plex a little bit for some people to understand. I mean, look, so you buy a t-shirt for let's say a hundred bucks and you're trying to sell it for 200. You, you, you really like it goes, it, it gets deeper, but it, you're pretty much, you, you spent $200. That's all you got to think about it because you're, you're going to try to make your money back at the end of the day. And in, in that situation, I would get deeper into that, but 
your your money is going to grow with time, right? Like even with 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 if you put it in in a savings account or anything, right? But for me, it's like if you're going to invest a hundred dollars and you know it's you're going to try to make double that, just think of it as you just spent two hundred dollars because you're definitely going to you're definitely going to try to capitalize on that two hundred dollars at that price point just so you can make your hundred back. And and the and it goes back to like more of investing wise. Um, if you try to, uh, you know, it's just like anything you do, you want to put your money and it's going to be tied up at the end of the day, it's going to be tied up, whether it be anything in life, it's going to be tied up, whatever you invest, it's going to be tied up until you sell. And that's where the price point where you definitely have to think if I do this, I want to get this amount of money. But it's tied up, so you're not you're not going to see. It's not an asset. You're not going to see that money. It's not you're not going to make money every day. So it's just going to be sitting until you sell. Let's talk about assets. So, what is an asset? An asset is something that makes you money. Um, a lot of people say so. Property is an asset. If you have a, if you have a house, you're renting it for two grand. The mortgage is a thousand. You know, after all things said and done, you're making like 600 bucks a month cleared. So that's a paycheck of 600 bucks a month you're getting from that house. After everything's paid for, you're making money. You know, a stock that pays you a dividend, say of 15% a year, or a stock that's been going up, like you're making money on the money you put in. That's an asset. <clears throat> to become like financially free, the goal is to have enough assets where you aren't spending your time trading for money. We're all selling, selling vintage. Yes. We're, it's great business. I love it. It's super fun, but we're still trading our time for money because we're either out there picking to find the stuff or we're on a live trying to sell the stuff or we're listing the stuff or whatever we're doing. You're still trading your time for that money. You know, like you said before, you talk about like taking some money out of it instead of putting all your money back into stock, back into stock because you have this addiction. The real game plan is to take your money, take like a percentage, 10, 20% of your money every month, take it outside of the game, you know, take it outside of the game and start to create enough cash to buy assets, buy property, buy investments, whatever it is. So diversify, that, just, just keep diversifying. Yeah. Your portfolio, your own portfolio. And I, I feel like something I've said before, I'm going to say it again. I say it a hundred thousand times. It's like you, most people will not get rich from owning a business. The way people get rich is property. Like is the, probably the number one. Second of all is inheritance, which if you got parents that are going to leave you a shitload of money, power to you. Most of us don't have that, right? Or selling a business. Those are like the three number one ways people get rich. Now, selling a business is awesome, but I guarantee nobody out there right now can sell the Instagram live a t-shirt business <laughs> because they're like, how the fuck do I do that? How do I go get the stuff? How do I do this? It's like, it's a knowledge-based hands-on thing. You can't, it's not, it's not scalable. It's not sellable. That's why I've created like Frankie or different brands within my thing that I'm like, that is a brand. We create our own shit. We could like 
sell that at some point if we wanted to. It's more scalable. So something that everyone can do though is is take your money outside the game. Like I said, property, buy assets. You have to keep taking a percentage and putting it away just like you said. Yeah, 1,000%. And, and, and again, I think that's why I got I got judged a little bit by a few people um, in the in the vintage community. They're like, you know, you sold off and um, you're doing your own thing now. But reality is, if I can do it, you know, that's just reality. It, it, it's not it's not rocket science. It, like I said, I took just money that was material things, and I invested into something else, and it's just growing. And that's the way, that's the game, name of the game. And, and I, I think it's because, uh, Drew, respectfully, when we get older, you know, a lot of these young kids don't understand when you have kids and everything, it's, it's a different ball game. You know, you, you're, you're going to be either or you're going to be behind and you're going to be left out. Like, man, I should have done this back then. Yeah. So, um, and, and it's just, like I said, it's just more investing. I have two. I have two boys. How old? Two boys. Uh, seven, 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 and four. Dude, I have uh, nine and five. <laughs> so you know, you, yeah, so we're like <laughs> we're like very similar. And today's my my uh, Jasper's fifth birthday. So after this, I'm about to go party it up with my boy. <laughs> well, that's what's up, man. Oh, so Drew, like, so that's the other thing. A lot of people aren't really thinking out the box. That's what the biggest thing is. A lot of people aren't really thinking out the box. Like, how do you turn this vintage into something different? Because I stepped away for a little bit um, just because I have, you know, my construction company I have to focus on, you know. Um, also, like being, a, being alert and being aware that I was stuck on these lives so long that I forgot that I was with someone next to me, like at dinner. And I'm like, looking at the lives, watching the lives. And I'm like, man, I caught myself. Like even them, they're asking me if you're on a date, will you do this to someone else? I had it. I had a pretty much, you know? Yeah, I guess, you know, I, I am all the time, but, but that's what I'm saying. I stopped myself, but now I'm thinking clearly, how do you change this? Okay. I put my kids in vintage tees. Now they love it. We get, you know, we bond like that. We watch wrestling or whatever a movie and they're wearing it. They love it. You know, star Wars, um, anything that, that uh, they, they, they wear is because we've watched the movie before or we talked about it or watched it on YouTube. So that's the change. That's what I'm trying to do. Like create people to change their mindset. Like everyone's just going to the wrestling. Everybody's going to the rap tees. Everyone's going to, uh, you know, the Disney, whatever, whatever it, what that was. Um, but no one's really thinking out the box. Look, the kids, kids stuff will sell. I promise you that. Um, it's going to be sought after, after for me. Look about it. how many celebrities have kids every year. Oh yeah. Right. And, and, and if this gets exposed to the biggest crowds ever, like they're not going to be paying three. Well, I don't know. Maybe they have stupid money like that paying $3,000 for a t-shirt, but I'm assuming they're going to be buying stuff for their kids as well. Yeah. And you know, as, as, as uh, you know, you and me, I'm 40. I don't know how old you are. I'm 39. Okay. So yeah, we're like very similar in age and <laughs> place in our life. Um, as most of the kids we know are like 20 to 30 who are playing this game right now, who are in the vintage community, as they age up and have kids, you best believe they're all going to want to dress their kids in vintage. So 
it's funny you say that because that's probably a wicked play to like save kids vintage until the demand is there for the community to start buying it. Like, yeah. Yeah. Drew, think about it. It hasn't been done yet. So no, not always, really. So I'm thinking out the box. I'm, I'm telling you, I always think out the box because if I see something and it gets not boring, but it seems routine, like the same thing played over and over again, what hasn't been done yet? And it's, st- it's still in the same type of topic, you know? Let me think about it. Oh, well, I have kids, you know, they've, they're rocking some Jordans already. They're, they're, you know, not that, that I want them to be rocking that or anything, but I'm just saying they're putting the, I'm putting them into vintage. Maybe they're going to be the ones that are going to be hip later on. Not me. Cause I'm out of the game. I'm going to be out, you know, I mean, I'm at, at 50. I don't think I'll be wearing, um, you know, some, some, some Tupac tea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tupac tea. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, man. So- no, I feel that. And I, I, I love that. I love thinking outside the box and I love, I love creative people that come up with ideas where they've created different business models within the same space, you know? And that's right. exactly what you're saying is like, you know, really start to put yourself in it. It's called like a, it's like a theory, a blue ocean theory where you could either be in a red ocean, they call it, when you're swimming with the sharks and you, you put yourself into like a high competition scenario or you create a business that's in a blue ocean where you just have no competition. You've created your own market, you know? Correct, correct. And that is that is kind of the theory. And that's kind of what we did with Frankie, although now it's becoming more of a red ocean for rework. But like for a long time, there wasn't any even competitors out there. And with Chris, it's like Chris did that. He created a business model that he has in his, in this business, but it's not the same as everybody else. He's not selling the shirts. He's helping you sell the shirts and making money. So right. that was, that's, that's being creative and thinking out the box, you know? Yeah. And, um, and, and the thing that's scary that I don't know if it's ever going to go back to normal. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I think there'll be a lot of innovations coming out. Oh. So let's talk about this for a sec because this has been leaked in the, in the community. I don't have any issues talking about it because people are talking about it. MTV reality TV show. You've heard this. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, what have you heard? You want to just give it a rundown? No, I just heard that just a few cast members were casted that that's all that, that they're going to have the green light already. They're filming, I think. That's all I've heard, honestly. Yeah. Um, I can't say who. Uh, I mean, I, I, I know, I know, like two people, three people, yeah. but I, I'm not going to say because you know that's not my 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 place to say. But, yeah, yeah. Um, fair enough. So I think it's going to be great. Yeah, go ahead. No, I think it's going to be great. Um, this is the exposure that we're going to get, and that's exactly why I'm saying I'm thinking out the box because. If you already know something, right, that's coming, be ahead of the game. Be ahead of the game. Everybody's going to have teas. Everybody has, you know, everybody has their own brand uh, on Instagram. But again, like, I'm, I'm doing a different thing. I'm going a different route. You know, I still have the same teas, um, the 100 teas that I have, you know, uh, with, like, compared to someone else, uh, mids, everything. But... Again, once this goes and it does blow up, my avenue is going to have – I have all the kids heat. You guys want kids heat? I know, you know, hit me up, DJ Cali. You know, hit me <laughs> up. 
whoever whoever has kids out there, you know, uh, they'll fit your kids. The celebrity youth stylist, man. Yes, exactly. There you go. That's it. Because that's dope. Yeah, that's super yeah, dope. That's that's the name. That's that that's the other. That's exactly the route I'm going for now. Um, everybody's thinking bigger celebrities, Travis Scott, and all that. I'm thinking more of no, no, no. These guys are getting older, just like we are. They have kids, so I'm I'm on that page right. Now. Good call, yeah, man. I'm on that wave. Yeah. So, anything? Any last words or shout-outs for the uh, people? Um, look, I, the the biggest thing I want everyone to do is succeed in life. And if you can learn anything, just learn that you know I'm not here to advise anyone to do anything that I wouldn't do. I'm just here to advise to better yourself because of the positions that I've been in in life, whether it be from losing money in real estate. Losing money in the stock market, um, you know, selling off material items to better myself, and I think we could all do that. And just being a positive level, um, and your health is your wealth. Like that's the other thing you have to understand that with with that, this it doesn't even matter what you have. You could have a million dollars in your bank account if if you're not mentally or or or, or uh, physically good. You, you know, that's that's the other thing. It, it doesn't matter. Um, stability that you're going to sustain with having friends on on instagram and going live with them it's just you have to be there for yourself you have to invest in yourself first i love that i agree and i think i think it's okay if you need to take a break and re re connect your mind and body do it you know there's nothing wrong with taking a break and getting out of the scene for a minute you can come back whenever you're ready you know i do it often um, you know, I take care of my body, you know, like, like you do, you're saying health is wealth. Like, you know, I'm on a cleanse right now. Like you wanna, I, you know, the body, the mind, it's all connected and that's going to help you like on your path. And yep. I love it, dude. That was a good chat. Yeah. Hey, Drew, man, I'm, I'm a fan of yours, man. I've been watching your stuff, man. I can't believe I'm actually doing this too, man. Like actually like talking to you, man. It's, it's pretty cool, man. <laughs> well thanks dude um i'm a fan of yours bro and uh yeah i guess we'll end it there any uh, any quick Josh, any dude. quick any quick shout outs before yeah. we close it out uh not really just just uh again you know you know everybody that's bought from me i appreciate it i'm definitely coming back and when i do come back it's going to be on a different scale and a different level um and yeah but, but everybody uh just keep on trucking. Keep on trucking. All right, brother. I love it. Thanks so much for coming on, dude. All right. Thank you, Drew. Have me on. Well, another episode come and gone. Thank you guys for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. You know, I really do appreciate you guys. And, you know, trying to pump out more of these, but it's time consuming. I'm doing my best here. Doing my best here. Again, if you want to support Go check out the Patreon link down below. Link up in one of these corners here on YouTube. And you can support me if you like what I do, if you've learned something. If you learn something from me, if I've helped you in your business, I'd appreciate the support. Let me know down below in the comments. Have you learned something from this podcast? Okay, guys. See you on the next one.